Almost everyone is familiar with one of the biggest best-selling self-help books by Dale Carnegie, How to Make Friends and Influence People. The word influence is what I want to focus on. There's influencing people, there's inspiring people, there's teaching people, there's educating people, but above all, there's empowering people. Empowerment is much different than all the others. You may have heard the expression that people teach you what to think, but not how to think. Empowerment is learning how to think, methodology, tools, how to solve problems, not just being given answers, but how to find answers. So please join me in this very important conversation on the secret to empowering people. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson. I welcome you. We will be speaking about the secret to empowering people. This program is dedicated in honor of Heidi Plotkin. Mom, I'm grateful to have you in my life. Everyone is familiar with one of the biggest best-selling self-help books, self-help books by Dale Carnegie called How to Make Friends and Influence People. Influence. It's an interesting word. Influence sounds somewhat, um, uh, I want to say manipulative, but it's how you're going to influence others. I want to speak about something far more than influence, about empowerment, how to empower others. And in effect, you actually influence them more when you empower them. There's a a famous expression that says about education, "Are are you being taught what to think or how to think. It's very different. One is teaching someone data, information, facts, numbers, even giving people answers. Another is teaching someone methodology, a method, how to think, how to find an answer to a question, not just providing someone with the answers. And that is what true empowerment is. It's about finding your skills helping ignite them so you can be yourself in whatever navigation you need in life. It's teaching you how to navigate. But how does one do that? That's the focus that we want to discuss. Because not only is it the secret to to true perpetuation of any idea when you empower someone, because when you don't empower someone, yeah, they may follow what you've taught them. They may conform to it, or they may not. But when you empower someone, you know that even when you're not there, that student or that child, whoever it is that you've empowered, will forever continue perpetuating whatever it is that they were empowered with, because it's now theirs. They own it. And that's the key, owning it, integrating it, internalizing it. So ask yourself this question. You went to school. Hopefully it was a good school. They taught you many different things. Hopefully you found a good job, making nice money, successful in life. Hopefully you had good parents, 
who also educated you, role modeled, and so on. But ask yourself, do you feel empowered? Or do you feel that you've been downloaded into you all kinds of tools and resources? Which isn't a bad thing. It's better than not. But empowerment is very different than being given a tool chest. Empowerment means that you also know how to navigate situations that you were not prepared for. And that's where the big difference comes. If you were given a good education, good information and data, and you're knowledgeable, then you'll be able to solve problems, the ones that you were taught how to solve. But if something new comes your way, you may not know how to do it. Take the example of a good swimmer. A good swimmer isn't just someone that swims. A good swimmer is no matter what comes your way, a storm comes your way, you have the abilities and the tools to know how to navigate. And that can't always be taught. What you're taught is the method is that whatever comes your way, you'll know how to maneuver. And that is real problem solving. Unfortunately, many of our education systems are teaching us what to think. That this is the healthy way of thinking about something. These are the best practices and so on. Now, in many situations, that's true. And it's important to have that. You want to know the best practices in accounting, in law, in medicine, things that have already been proven through trial and error. You don't want to make the same mistakes. So that side of it is great. But then there's a second half, and that's those rare teachers that you remember forever that made an impact on you that long after you left school, after you haven't met that teacher, they left something in you that gives you that, that confidence that you're able to really solve a problem even though that problem was never presented before. And that's far more than just best practices. So the truth is, a good education requires both. But what is most lacking is the empowerment one. So let's use a verse. This is a verse from the Bible, a very powerful one, that really teaches us this message in very clear terms. And that is that when the Aaron, the high priest, was told to, to light the menorah. Menorah is a candelabra with, with oil, pure olive oil, and this was lit every day. So the expression in the Bible is this. You shall raise the flames. The question is, what means raise the flames? It's ignite the flames, kindle the flames. And the explanation given is, because there's two ways you can light a flame. You light the flame, you ignite it, and then you move on to the next flame. But we all know it takes a split second till it catches. The raising the flames, instead of igniting, that one change of a word is telling us, don't just ignite it, make sure it rises on its own. Wait until it's burning on its own. That patience. You're teaching a child, and you think you've given the child what it needs to solve a problem, but wait that extra minute, or that extra day, or whatever amount of time it takes that the child you know can now do it on their own. And that's a whole different experience. Because that's called empowerment. That's called teaching methodology. That changes a person's life. So when they grow older, whatever comes their way, they know how to navigate. So what is the secret to empowerment? How does one reach that? And what is the reason that many of us are not able to empower someone? We may be able to influence someone. You may be able to inspire someone. Educate, but empowerment? As again, this, the litmus test for that, does it perpetuate? 
Does that person in turn create students? Have you taught someone to be a leader or you taught them to be a follower? If you taught them to be a leader, they will be a leader and they will continue to teach that methodology. Albeit in their own way, in their own style. But they've owned it and it's become part of them. So that's the litmus test. So what is the secret to that? So psychologically speaking, and this is not necessarily a rule, but it's important to mention because it's not mentioned enough, very often insecurity, oddly, is the reason that we don't teach people how to think, but we teach them what to think. Because we may be threatened by a different way of thinking, and we want people to keep in line. Not that necessarily you or anyone, or the educator, or the, the government person, or whoever it may be, is maliciously trying to control minds. There are people doing that as well. But it's just the tendency. Why rock the boat? This is the way it's been done. Let's stick to this. It's playing safe. People don't like confrontation. They don't like change. They don't like difference. There's a reason that most people are conformists. It's easier. But it's not necessarily who you are. That's why individuality is often compromised in the process. Now, of course, there's need for coexistence. There's a need for cooperation. There's a need to work together and so on. We're not denying that. But there's also a need for individuality. And that leads me to the second point. Some people feel individuality needs to be compromised in the face of the greater good. We've seen what's happened when people just, individuality on its own can create anarchy. And that's the second reason that many people feel we have to teach you what to think, not just how to think. Because it's dangerous. You let people start thinking on their own, who knows where they're going to end up being. Especially if you go into stronger ideological social systems, religion or others, where they feel very much the need. I don't want to say the word mind control. It could spill over to that. But some form of order. And that's why when you see rebellious young people, many see that as a threat. A threat to the system, a threat to the bureaucracy, a threat to the, to, to the rules. But at the same time, we are individuals. And to suppress that is not necessarily healthy. So I'm analyzing the reasons why you often find. Now, to be honest, for many it's not even there's a reason. That itself has become the system. Teach them the facts. Teach them the data. Don't teach them how to, how to think. You may remember there was a very popular film called Dead Poets Society, where there was this teacher teaching poetry, tells them to tear up the introduction to poetry in their classic po po poetry book. And, he, and he's, he's a threat. He's a threat to the rest of the establishment, the school. He's ultimately thrown out. But you see how he sparks a certain passion. Yes, a unique voice in each of the students that he touches. So of course the challenge is how do you balance the two? But let's continue analyzing the reasons that empowerment is so difficult. And that will teach us how to, the secret to empowerment. So to continuing on, as I said, the order of a system. I mean, there was a time where individuality altogether was ignored. Not just ignored, it wasn't even valued. I remember the new millennium the year 2000 hit, there were specials, special uh, re review of the last thousand years. As someone had coined, I think it was the New York Times, they coined the second millennium, meaning from the year 1000 to 2000, the me millennium. Because the first millennium was a focus much more on, on the public good, 
People did not live in private homes. There was collectives. The idea of individual rights didn't exist. A monarch ruled, the church ruled. So the concept of me, I, as an individual, my own space, my own rights, was really non-existent. The truth is, in the Torah, in Judaism, it was always a primary thing because it's based on the principle that every human being is created in the divine image, which really evolved ultimately into the Constitution and Declaration of Independence of the United States. All men are created equal and have inalienable rights endowed to them by their creator. But it was not a common thing. That became much later, in the last few centuries, with pluses and negatives. The, the negatives, of course, create anarchy or create an individuality that doesn't have any order, like a godless society or almost a valueless society that can end up evolving into. But on the good side, it sparked and revealed the individual uniqueness. Remember, we are none of us are the same. We have plenty of things in common. So respecting the individuality of something lies at the heart of the secret to empowerment. And the lack of respect, again, not necessarily malicious. For some it may be. But, but, but for some it's just simply the default state. It's threatening. It's new. We don't know what will happen. It's much easier. You're running a classroom. You need people to sit in their seats. You can't have just everyone doing whatever they want. So of course there's a certain basis to order. That's what defines a community, a society. But how much of it is suppressing and undermining the individuality? That's the challenge. So the respect of the individual is critical. So the insecurity that one may have ultimately would translate. An insecure parent is going to create an insecure child. Why? Because his or her insecurities will be projected. And just like you, the parent, may not want to explore new vistas and new horizons, you won't let your child do so. We want you to be a doctor. We want you to be a lawyer. We want you to fit into a mold that we've pre preconditioned, preset for you. Very often those parents themselves are fitting into a mold that their parents set for them. So we're not suggesting we don't want to have guidelines. A good educator, a good teacher doesn't, has guidelines. But at the end of the day, the focus is not on the teacher, it's on the student. So the first and most important thing of all in the secret to empowerment is the fundamental respect of the dignity of every individual soul. The person you're sitting with, whether it's a man or a woman, whether it's a child or it's an adult, whoever it may be, has fundamental dignity, their birthright. You, you did not give it to them, and therefore you cannot take it from them. That is, maybe it's the unspoken, or should be the spoken rule, axiom, before everything else when you're sitting and teaching someone. When you begin with that premise, then the goal is not about imparting information. It's about how do you get that individual soul alive. Now part of that is going to be imparting information and data and giving them case studies and the past and studying history and studying the rights, the, the positives and negatives of any given situation and everything that comes in whatever science it may be, physical science, social science or political science. But you began with a premise of the value of the person. I would submit that we live in a time with all our technologies and all our advancements in medicine and science and so on, the, the devaluing of individuality, of unique souls, the sanctity of a unique soul, of an individual soul has been many ways obfuscated, either due to the mass media, either due to commercialization or industrialization of things, 
monetization, because that's what you want. You want statistics. You want more customers buying the same thing. I mean, you could analyze it forever, but the bottom line is it, there is a big undermining. I would even say a deterioration of the value, the devaluing of individual dignity. And as a result of that, there's much more of, we'll teach you what to think, but not how to think. What is marketing? It has many virtues. But at the end of the day, they want you to think a certain way. They want you to associate beauty with a certain product, with a certain act, and then purchase it. Travel, clothing, smoking, whatever it may be. Or other ways of influencing the mind, emotional manipulation. It's trying to teach you what to think, not how to think. Because how to think, you may say, one second, this product may not be so good for me. There may be other options. So bottom line is that the, the, the individual, the, this, the sanctity and the dignity of an individual is the critical thing. A teacher and a parent and all of us that recognize that, that will resonate. Which brings me to the second point. It's really an outgrowth of the first. When you have that feeling, then how do you speak to someone? You're not speaking to someone in a condescending or judgmental way. You're speaking to them heart to heart. Because you care about them. Like they say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The empathy. Words from the heart enter the heart. That is the point number two, the secret to empowerment. Words from the heart enter the heart. But that only comes when you have sincerity. Again, if you're just trying to sell a product, so selling a product is however you can get that person to buy it. At the time, they may think you're doing them the biggest favor. In time, have you empowered them? Now, of course, you could argue some people actually say, I'm selling you an empowering product. That itself, interesting, ironically, can be used to disempower people by telling them you're empowering them. But that deserves its own conversation. The point I'm making here is that number two is the empathy. Soul to soul. That's what it's about. Now, you'll say, what happens then with the whole marketing business? It's a trillion dollar business, whatever their numbers are. Well, you know, if we really had a very pure, truthful society, a lot of things that are marketed don't deserve to be on the market. I understand money makes the world go round. But the truth is we're looking for truth. We're looking for integrity. And if we demanded that, and if you as an individual reclaimed yourself and demanded that I want something that empowers me, that doesn't just influence me, that doesn't just sell to me, then of course those that are selling would have to respond to that. And maybe they would create true empowering tools. I think people would be ready to pay for empowerment if it was true. So the issue here is not whether empowerment is a good thing. The issue is how the standards have been lowered. And let's be honest, the media has a big effect here. Even though the media, it's a vicious cycle, they blame, they say, we're giving what people want to see. We're delivering media that people want. And people say, well, what options do we have? That's what they're delivering to us. However you twist it, they're worth each other, basically. We're worth each other. We get the media we're looking for, which is often the lowest common denominator. That's not about empowerment. And I'm just going to use an extreme example. The most popular, sadly, the most popular websites are, is porn. Number one. Now, is porn empowerment? No. Not only is it not empowerment, it's distraction. And, take, and it's a disempowerment. For the moment, it's the ultimate instant gratification. 
Now, not everything is actual porn, but there's soft porn and there's different ways that people are stimulated, which is the opposite of empowerment. But it's easy. You're playing a video game. It's a great way to distract ourselves. And we've all been guilty of, I would say, more white crimes, if you wish, like more innocent distractions. But they're definitely not empowerment. Empowerment actually means work, which leads me to point number three. When you empower someone, you actually make them work for it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I remember being asked once to give a class, but this, the people that asked me said they want an advanced class. I said, what do you mean by advanced? You know, we really want to go into the text, some Kabbalistic, mystical texts, in depth, not watered down. Not to, that, that they were suggesting that they were insulting me that I wasn't watering you down, but they wanted to really go very deep and without um, all the examples. And, when truth is, to be honest, the, the, the simpler you can make something, the deeper you understand it. But that's a side point. So I said, well, I don't consider that advanced. You're just saying you wanted to have it in the original language, not in the translation. Fine. We say, what is advanced? I said, advanced is that everyone participating in the class has to write a paper once a month and has to present before the group. They have to teach the idea to others. They looked at me. I said, yeah, that's advanced. Because then I'm not just, put, I'm the teacher and imparting you deep information. I'm empowering you to impart it. So get up in front of the group as best as you can. We're not asking for perfection. This is not about a test or, 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 or grading people. It's the method of how you get empowered. Anyway, to be honest, most of them didn't want to agree to do that. They were uncomfortable. I said, that's advanced. I wasn't trying to get out of the situation, but that's to me advanced. And I'll be honest, I feel great passion when that happens. Very much of what we do at the Meaningful Life Center is very much about that. It's about empowerment. Now, empowerment is not always as comfortable. It's much easier to just sit back, relax, and let the teacher do the work. So the point number three, after the first two, which is the first one is the dignity, respecting the fundamental and sacred, sacred dignity of the individual. Number two is words from the heart enter the heart, empathy. And number three is making the person work at it. Let them write a paper. Let them present. Even at a young age. You can't imagine what kind of power that creates. And confidence. Because then you have to put it into your own words, digest it, internalize it, and then express it to someone else. That's the ultimate empowerment. Then you know that someone is on their way and will learn to navigate. Now, there are many other tools that are part of all of this, but this is the key, the key thing to always remember. But I look at it also as a uh, sacred duty, to use the word sacred again, because this is the key to real growth and health. We live in a world with many different people. Most are followers, to be honest. My father would always say, as a journalist, there are three types of people. People who make things happen, people who watch things happen, and people who ask what happened. Empowerment means that you become a person that makes things happen. It could be on a small scale. It could be in your own little home and community. And I say little, by me, that's not little, because it's a qualitative thing. The point here is that you are empowered. That leads me to the final point. When you respect the dignity of someone, you look for their skills. You don't try to impose upon them skills they don't have or skills that someone else has. You look to identify what is it that they're good at. Some people are great at analytics. Others are very creative. 
Others are good at concepts and ideas, and others are good at fleshing it out. Some people are people people. They're good at the front end. Others are the back end. Some people have several skills. So knowing yourself, or in this context, empowering someone else, helping them to get to know yourself, is critical. Because what you want to do is not just say you're a dignified, unique soul, but you actually, here are your skills. And what you want to do is feed those skills. Give someone that's a little more artistic, give them an artistic challenge. I remember the first time I began to write. I didn't know that, right? I remember it was in camp. And the guy that was for Color War, the teams they created in the, in the, in the camp. So they, the guy that was supposed to write the theme song for the team got sick, unfortunately. So they came to me. They said, your father's a writer. So I said, who says I'm a writer? Well, anyway, it, it was dropped on me. I had no choice. I remember sitting near a tree. I was humming a song. And I wrote a song. It was about prayer, actually. It was called Midst Forest of Green is how I began. I look back at it now. It was quite childish. But I did it. I was empowered to do it. And I did it. I'm not getting into whether I'm a good writer or not a good writer. But that began my writing career. Really. I mean, I've written before that. Some essays here and there. Now, you don't always know what you're good at, but if someone challenges you or something just drops on your lap, don't ignore it. That may be the thing that stimulates. That's the catalyst that stimulates and awakens that particular skill of yours, that uniqueness in you. So that's the final point I want to make. Identifying that unique strength and feeding it. So this is a lesson in education and inspiration in bringing up children wherever or if you're a boss at work and you have different workers, apply these four principles and you'll create not just influence, not just education, not just inspiration, but perpetual and lasting empowerment. Thank you. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can find this and many programs. I'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your comments. And of course, share this. Empower others. Let us all turn this into a ripple effect, a butterfly effect that actually can bring and create from followers, leaders. People make things happen. Make things happen. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.